In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on TogiNet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author, and not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. And now here's your host, Lou Paget. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for being with us this evening. <clears throat> Excuse me. In the last two weeks, I've had a real focus on, you know, the, the straight-up sexuality of Fifty Shades of Grey. And I discussed in depth, and I have to tell you, the show that I did by myself, that was an absolute blast to do because I could just sort of gallivant all over the place. But what I looked at was the passion and the heart that is behind this book, and that's really what it is. It's a love story about two people who are complete dunderbolts when it comes to being in relationship and all of their ups and downs that go along with it. So what, and after the Olympics and the, all of the people who were speaking of, you know, the, the passion of the Olympics, I wanted to look at, you know, there's love, there's sex, and there's passion. And what I know is that the more passionate someone is, the more focused they are, the more that they have a dream, the more confidence they have, and ergo, the more sex appeal they have. So I was, I had someone say to me, you know, Lou, what's all this thing about sex at the Olympics? And I thought, well, I don't know, but I thought I will find out and ask the only gold medalist I know personally, and I thought, I'll ask her. So what's the thing with all of the sex that occurs at the Olympics? So my guest this evening is Olympic gold medalist Michelle Cameron, and Michelle won a gold medal in synchronized pairs at the 88th Seoul Olympics. So when I initially told her that I wanted to ask this question, she had a very amusing response for me. Now, do I have Michelle on with me right now? Yes, I am here. (laughs) Darling, how fabulous that you could join me this evening. (laughs) Oh, this will be fun. (laughs) (laughs) There's no question. So tell me, please let everyone know, when I asked you the question, so how much sex does go on at the Olympic Village, what was your response? (laughs) I kind of giggled and I went, you know what, I wouldn't have a clue because when I competed (laughs) in the Olympics, literally our finals were on the last day, so we were incredibly focused and, you know, didn't even have a chance to meet any of the other athletes really until the last day of the Olympics. And and I'll tell you, um, 
you know, you literally are in the village with everyone from all over the world who are, you know, the best shape, incredible athletes in the world. Uh, but we were in a little silo until we were done. So we had like one day to kind of experience the Olympics when we were done and uh, get a chance to kind of unwind a little bit and meet some of the other athletes, which, you know, uh, nothing like that happened in my side of it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. But you have gone and you've been charge de fer. You've been at other events like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do want to say when I say, you know, didn't have time to meet athletes and whatnot, and, and we didn't talk about this when we were, you know, talking about doing the show, but right. uh, interesting enough, I actually met my husband um, at the Pan American Games in Venezuela. And not that anything That's where you met Al. Al. That's where I met Al. I met him at the Pan Am Games, and it just so happened that all the um, all the Canadians, well, each country, they end up being housed in uh, specific towers. And I remember it was quite entertaining in Venezuela because they were, it was Pan Am's 1983, and then they were finishing off the village. It wasn't quite done yet. Mm-hmm. And when you checked in, they literally gave you the door to your room to put on the room. <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> no. And there were signs that said no pizza la grass, and it was like basically cow manure, no pizza la grass that meant, you know, don't walk on the grass. Like they were just literally finishing the village. But there was a compound area outside where all the athletes, all the Canadians hung out. So we got to kind of hang out and meet some of the other athletes and and that's when I actually first met Al and and the volleyball team and we all because we would kind of see each other in passing every day the whole team mm-hmm. we became really good friends and they were they were based out of Calgary and we were based out of Calgary so we started when we got back we would just go out with a bunch of us like uh, the volleyball team and the synchro team to barbecues and whatnot and it was probably a year later that Al and I actually started going out with you know, just the two of us, because he was the only one that showed up the one time, and, well, okay. <laughs> so it is funny when you talk about, you know, that whole, you know, the whole sexual part of it, but for me it was the relationship and, and commonality of, of um, you know, being with the athletes that everyone has that, uh, you know, drive and passion for their sport, and, mm-hmm. you know, they understand the commitment, and they understand um the training and they understand this drive to be the best that you can be and and um, and have like a great healthy lifestyle and you know a lot of commonality. So I kind of sidetracked because I hadn't shared that with you that that's actually how I met Al was through sport. And you know what's funny? That was the only games we were ever at together. Seriously. Yeah, because then he went to the '84 Olympics in Los Angeles. I went to the '88 in. Um, and he went to the 92 in Barcelona. So it was the only ever event that we would have met at. And we got married, I don't know, 10, 10 years later. So, yeah. Well, when, but, I mean, and when we speak of, you know, the, the focus and the passion that is needed and required, and I know that there are many people, particularly, you know, if there's a focus and a passion in business, Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I had a boyfriend one time who he said, you know, you're always focused on what you're doing. And I said, but I have to. I'm the only one who can do it. Mm-hmm. And he said, you're going to be successful at this, aren't you? And I said, there's no question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I mean, to me, it was like a no-brainer, but that wasn't what was going to work for him. Right, and so there has to be an understanding. That's what I'm saying. There's, the, there's an, a commonality and understanding of that drive that's bigger than just being able to 
go, okay, that's okay, that's enough. No, you know, or, or go, like there's, the, there's more than that. And, and so to be able to have someone that understands that passion and drive and, mm-hmm. and, and commitment to saying, you know, you, I, I don't necessarily know what it looks like at this point, but I know it's more than where I am right now. You know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, that unre- it's not necessarily an unrelenting, but it's just, you know, you'll, you go through the challenges and that's just part of the strength of getting there, right? So Absolutely. Now, yeah. please let people know that you did not start out as a water baby. No, <laughs> no not at all. <laughs> Actually, you know, and it's funny because I talk a lot about... Um, natural talents and gifts and I was talking just a bit ago about drive and passion but mm-hmm. I, I believe so much that we all have so many natural talents and gifts that we really 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 do not know of, Are there. of our capacity and to your necessarily put in a situation well I grew up in a family of 10 kids that we were a blended family mm-hmm. and so there was a pack of teenagers all the same age and uh, my mom and dad were like, okay, you guys have to learn how to swim. My mom said the earth is two-thirds water. You're going to come into contact with it, so it's not an option. And uh, she had, yeah, she had unfortunately witnessed uh, one of her cousins drown in, in front of her. And so that was a really, you know, that was very traumatic. But uh, So my mom was committed that you are not allowed to go in a boat. You can't go in the water unless you don't have some. Well, uh, Lou, I failed my first level of swimming four times. I'm really? So afraid of the water. I was petrified of the water and I I literally on the the fourth attempt um <laughs> jumped in and turned around and hit my chin on the side of the pool because I was too scared to jump in and ended up with four stitches under my chin. So I'm Oh like, my god, I, I have the I have the same thing. <laughs> oh that's there's always a great story on that. That's like a sisterhood. <laughs> That's funny. Do you have stitches on your chin? Yeah. You know, okay, now you, you and I are both twins as well. <laughs> yeah, so isn't that funny? So did you have like little whiskers for, for um, stitches? Yeah, little little whiskers for stitches. And you know what the big thing about that too? I look back and I go, oh my gosh, that fear froze me. And as soon as I went, okay, you know, I'm... I was so grateful for my parents and my mom, you know, particularly being passionate about, you know, you have to learn how to swim. It wasn't about you need to be the best swimmer. It was like you have to learn how to swim. That when I finally let go of that fear, like fear in life, when you are fearful in the water, you're tight and you'll sink. You'll literally sink. But it's funny because as soon as you relax and you don't fight the water, you will actually float. And what a great analogy for life. Oh, that is so perfect, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it great? Yeah, and as soon as I let go of that fear, then I started to, you know, get moving and swimming. And I, uh, again, I started synchro really late from what everyone else, you know, oh, no, you need to be eight or nine. Well, b- by the time I started swimming, I was 13, which was really late to start. And uh, But to me, I had all these fabulous role models that have been swimming five, six years already. So I always looked at, okay, what's the advantage? There's lots of great things about it, right? So, right. yeah, I did not start off as, a, uh, you know, what you would say, you look at, say, that kid's going to go to the Olympics. No, I was this scrawny, sick little kid. <laughs> <laughs> right, but you also. But now when, because, you know, just to let um, the listeners know, and we have one minute until our first break. Oh, okay. I know Michelle Cameron as a result of my niece, Michelle Padgett. Mm-hmm. Who is one of my best friends in the world still. Exactly. 13, yep. Right. So, but did you both start swimming at the same age then? Or did she start earlier? 
She started, I think Michelle started at 11, and we were, I think we started around the same time, though. So we're, she's a couple years younger than me, but I think, I, I'm not positive, but I think we started around the same time. She might have swam a year, a year or two before I did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and here's the thing, I, I remember at Michelle's wedding talking about, you know, talents and things you don't know. You know, my older brother Bob getting up and saying, how is it that two of the least athletic people in the world produced a world-class synchronized swimmer? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because it really is the truth. Yeah, and she, and she was, too. She is, she, she is amazing to watch swim. Now, we are going to go to our first break here. My guest is Michelle Cameron. Her company is Gold Medal Inspirations, and we're going to be talking about the passion and focus and love that bring you to that podium. Please stay with us. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Get ready to learn and play with Mrs. A, your host, Barbara Allison, Mondays at 11 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Did you know that kids are only 20% of the population, but they are 100% of the future? How are you preparing your child for that future? The years between the ages of 0 and 6 are crucial for learning and development. Barbara Allison is a teacher, parent, and author on supporting children's early learning. Learning starts even before a child is born, and parents are children's first teacher. Join Mrs. A for ideas, tips, and suggestions for fun learning and play activities as she helps you support your child. Starting early is starting smart. For more on Mrs. A, her books, the show, and her blog, check out her website, 123kindergarten.com. Then, come learn and play with Mrs. A with your host, Barbara Allison, Mondays at 11 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Get ready to laugh along with This Little Parent Stayed Home with Ellie Lopreet. Friday evenings at 6, 5 Central on Togenet.com. This is a truly realistic, no-nonsense, tell-it-like-it-is method that will have you laughing and crying, surviving while struggling, and hammering away at the hardships as you travel through the greatest journey of your life. Get empowered by joining thousands of other parents who have also decided to take a leap of faith into a double career with longer hours and half the pay simply because of the love they have for their children. Together, we are rebuilding a new economy that will support us rather than enslave us. Never again will we have to choose between raising our children and earning to provide for them. It won't be easy, but it will be worth it. For more on Allie and her success, check out her website, OurMilkMoney.com. So come get empowered with This Little Parent Stayed Home with Allie Lopreet. Friday afternoons at 6, 5 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. Tonight, my guest is gold medalist Michelle Cameron, 
And when all of the media stuff was going on, on, you know, who, you know, how much sex are they having, how many condoms are being used at the London Olympics, and I thought, well, you know, I'll just call Michelle and ask her. And as I know, she did meet her husband as a result of sports. So, Michelle, who asked who out? <laughs> That's funny. Um, it, we just all, like I said, we hung out together so much over the year with both the teams. And, and then the one time he just showed up on his motorbike and it was him and I. And we just, that was the first time that we sat and talked that long. So it just kind of, that's where our relationship kind of started. We didn't even really, it wasn't one asking the other. It just kind of went, you know. So mm-hmm. it, it was interesting. It was like a friendship that we had kind of built over the year. So, and 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 when I say that. I know I'm I'm expanding on the question, but I mean we went out for um, almost seven years uh, part time. We saw each other well under two years in that period of time because we were always in different countries too. So you know it was a very um, uh, interesting way to have a relationship too. <laughs> well, it's probably you know at least you weren't you know tripping over one another. I certainly no, wouldn't say that. Yeah, because we were both so absolutely focused on our goals. I, I I retired from sport before he did, and then he, you know, I I finished after 88, and then he went on to 92, and we actually got married in 91. So when he went to his last Olympics, we were actually married at that point. So, um, But, you know, it wasn't without its challenges when you switch from one person being totally focused on their sport and then transitioning to something else to the other one still being focused on that sport. It's even that dynamic is different, you know? Well, and then, you know, then here's here's the two of you, you know, one focus, one focus for each of you, then that switches. I mean, and that's the same thing that happens often, A, with changes in business, when children mm-hmm. arrive, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, the switch in that dynamic. Here's what you spoke before on who your mentors were, mm-hmm. and I also wanted to ask you... Did you have a vision of yourself up on that podium getting the gold medal? That's a great question, Lou, because when I started swimming, not in a million years. That wasn't even my that wasn't even in my forecast. It just kind of I I was very fortunate to have literally fallen into that sport and then it wasn't even an Olympic sport when I started. So That's right. Uh, eighty four was the first year and I had the opportunity to be one of the five pairs across the country to try out for 84, but I, I knew I wasn't ready at that point, but that was a, a, a shift in a total changing place in my mind, deciding, okay, what's the difference between trying out and actually now going and committing to that vision? And after that point, yes, totally visualized being on the podium. I had to believe that was that was totally possible because you have to see it first and in every fiber of your soul before it can ever be. And and our coach was was brilliant around that. Like I mean, we we went and um, our first world championships was in the states in Indianapolis and um, in the states are the twins, the Josephson twins, identical right. twins. Mm-hmm. Have been swimming together 16 years, and we uh, are our first year swimming together, but very unique and very uh, um, yourself and Car- Carolyn Waldo. Yeah, and Carolyn Waldo. Yeah. So you know, we came away winning our first world championships. Um, against all odds, and then it's still three more years to the Olympics, so you still have to, you know, okay, how do you get better than being the best in the world and staying on uh, and staying on top and finding ways to improve constantly? So we, we did have to have, you know, belief in our core by the time each world championships or by the time the Olympics came that you've known you've done everything physically possible um, through the training, through the nutrition, through the sports psychologist, et cetera, mm-hmm. to be able to 
in your soul and in your core see yourself there. Did you have a picture of a gold medal on the wall? I did not have a picture of the gold medal on the wall, but I, it was more of a podium, you know, standing on a podium. And, and funny when you say about a, a, a picture of a gold medal on the wall, I mean, Carolyn, my duet partner, swam her solo before, like um, two days before we swam duet, and she won gold in, in solo. Mm-hmm. And there's a picture of us together in our um, in the in the village in Seoul in our room, uh, sitting on the bed, and she's holding her medal, and I'm leaning towards and pointing at it, but not touching it because I didn't want to touch it until I had my own. That's how it was like. Okay, that's how close we are. That's mm-hmm. how close I am, and I can see it and you know almost feel it. Uh, but that was you know, yeah. And it, so that her gold medal was like the talisman. Yeah, it's kind of like going, okay, that's it. And and uh, it was two days later that we then won the gold for a duet. So, right. Mm-hmm. At what point did you know the gold medal was yours? Oh, we couldn't have re- written a better script because we <laughs> actually, honestly, we swam last at the, the very last competitor. So um, the Jays, the Josephsons, uh, swam fifth, and so we actually. I did something and I never usually do. I actually watched their whole routine from this little uh, holding room that had, you know, one of those two-way uh, windows out that you could see out like a detective window. So I right. watched their entire swim and they swam like unbelievable, an amazing swim. And then I watched their marks come up and it was four tens out of seven tens. And I'm like, holy, that's a lot of tens. Okay, I don't want Carolyn to know I'm nervous and you get focused back. And and so when we swam, when we finished swimming and went up to get our scores, I can I couldn't even have told you what the marks were. At the very bottom, it said the ranking, ranked number one. So that's how we knew as soon as we were done and got our marks, we knew because we were the last ones that we had won. Oh, my God. And you know what I'm just going to tell you right now? It's so cool because I just made this link. It's amazing. Our very first competition against the uh, in the States against the Twins was um, in Indianapolis, and we drew first. And it's always great to draw to swim last mm-hmm. in the finals and near your competitors. Well, we drew first, and that's when we started this kind of mantra. Well, you know, how do you, how do you look at things differently? Okay, it could be against the odds and drawing first. Well, they're going to have to see the best ones first. That was our mindset. And we walked out there, and do you know what? At the top it said Canada, number one, and we said, yeah, that's us. And so to to start our duet career together, like we had swam team together for a number of years, but our first right. year swimming duet together, to start off with it saying Canada number one, and then our very last swim to finish it saying Canada number one. was pretty cool. And I just made that connection right now. <laughs> no. So was that the last time that you and Carolyn swam competitively? Yeah, it was. And and that is also something we didn't we didn't verbalize that to each other that we knew the Olympics was going to be the last because you don't want to be done before you're done. So we never we never verbalized that, but when we finished swimming, I remember giving each other a big hug and just because we knew at that point, okay, that was that was the swan song. That was the last time. So and you have now tonight I want to focus on you and how you have taken that passion mm-hmm. and exploded it elsewhere. Okay, the passion between you and Al has created four children. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go there. Four pretty amazing kids, I have to say. Yeah. Exactly, and your daughter... I think everyone said, sorry, go ahead. And your daughter is now doing, you know, the athletic, you know, the volleyball stuff that 
Al was doing. Mm-hmm. We, we all four of our kids are super active in sport, but yes, our oldest is um, now uh, her. She's going into second year university at UBC on scholarship to play volleyball, and she just fell in love with the gym. She's been, you know, she'd be in the middle of the timeouts with Team Canada. Uh, well, he he represents Team Canada in Masters now. He still plays. He still plays at the U.S. Open and goes to the World Master Games. And when she was little, she would literally be on the bench. She wouldn't even miss a play. She'd be in the middle of the timeout with all these big, huge guys and, yeah, one, two, three, go, and and just could not get enough of it. And it, and that's where you can just see, because a lot of people say, well, does that put pressure on your kids, both of you being Olympic athletes? And that's the last thing in the world we want. Mm-hmm. We just want to be a good influence. We want them to find something they love and something they're passionate about. And when they do, you can just tell. Like, you, you, you can't... Make that happen. It right. has to. It has to come from inside. And this Alyssa, our oldest one, she cannot get enough of the gym. She can't get enough of uh, volleyball, and she's yeah, living her dream right now, going through university, uh, playing volleyball. And her goal is to make the national team next summer, the junior national team. And then, yeah, and that my son also plays. And then my one daughter is uh, swimming. She's doing synchro, and she's now maybe on transition. She's grown like crazy. So she's like, I might try volleyball. And we're like, whatever they do is great as long as they love it and they're active and they love it because the rest is going to come. Yeah, and here's what, as parents, seeing your children have a passion and an activity that doesn't have them sit behind a screen. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. We have, they, they just have to be active, like, for so many reasons. Healthy lifestyle, you know, you know healthy mind, body, everything. And, and just to get moving and challenge themselves and grow into great healthy people and being around sports is such a great vehicle no matter what level they go the team and the camaraderie and the friends and the social learning and the um, uh, learning how to win and to lose and to get over um, challenges and how you deal with stuff it's invaluable and I mean you can't do that in front of a screen we've got to get our kids into life playing right. in life because I'll tell you for me what I'm seeing is a real impact on for, I mean, maybe it's just that I'm seeing certain kids here in Los Angeles and elsewhere who their focus has been, you know, in front of a screen and they've, they're, they're turning into, like, slugs. Oh, I, it, it's scary and it's sad. All it, all it takes, really, is for them to get engaged in something that they have fun at. Let them have fun again. Please, let's, let's kids be kids. Yeah, you know. and and us, all of us, have fun doing something that you enjoy doing. But kids to be kids, yeah, get out. There's their community. Yes, they're so connected on technology and and texting and email. Like it's constant. If you look, you walk through any airport. There's there's not a connection anymore. They're connected, but not on. You know, there's a place for that, but there's also a place to build community and to connect as. People. Thank, human thank you. I, I, I could not agree with you more oh. on that. And we're going to be going to our second break in about 15 seconds here. My guest this evening is the lovely Michelle Cameron. And when we come back, we're going to talk about her mentors and the lessons that she learned that took her and gave her the fuel to stand on that podium and get that gold medal. Please stay with us.
This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Do holidays and celebrations get you down and leave you feeling frazzled? Then join Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Sandy will help you discover the secrets to having the celebrations you've always dreamed of while adding fun and meaning to your life. From Valentine's Day to Christmas to special family events, Sandy Fowler will show you how to put the fun and meaning back into those special days by taking a look at what we can do to turn the upcoming holidays into cherished memories and show us how to allow it to intertwine with everyday life. For more on the show, Sandy, and to receive Sandy's Holiday Happiness Booklet, go to HeartfilledHolidays.com. Then get set to discover the secrets to creating happy holidays and happy everydays by joining Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, Eastern Standard Time on Toginet.com. Have you been laid off, fired, downsized, right-sized, or re-engineered out of a job? Are you unemployed or anticipate that possibility? Then tune in for Successfully Unemployed, hosted by Alan. Sherwood MBA, president of Sherwood Consulting Service. Successfully Unemployed will provide you a hope-filled and comprehensive approach to the job search process from an author who's experienced it all. Alan and his guests will cover all dimensions of a job search, physical tasks, mental attitude, emotional health, even one spiritual perspective. All must be integrated in order for a person to be successfully unemployed so they can then be successfully employed. This show is designed to help you move forward from job loss to finding or creating more fulfilling work. For more on Alan Sherwood, MBA, and the show, check out his website, SuccessfullyUnemployed.com. Then join us for Successfully Unemployed with Alan Sherwood, MBA. Thursday nights at 8, 7 Central here on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. Just before the break, I said that my guest, gold medalist Michelle Cameron, and I would talk about her mentors and who her role models were. But then I thought, I then I just asked her just at the top of the break, so, Michelle, where's your gold medal right now, and how often do you bring it out? So, where is it? <laughs> so, it is actually now at the new Canadian Sports Hall of Fame, which I'm very fortunate because it's right here in Calgary, so I can actually go and check it out and take it with me if I need to and then go put it back. So it's great. But uh, we were talking about it because uh, so many people always ask, do you, do you have it in a safety deposit box? And up until now, I've always just, you know, had it at home because putting it in a safety deposit box, what do you do with it there? Because to me, it's, it's, it's electric. It's so magical. It signifies possibility. So for me to be able to share that, like I can't even tell you the amount of people that have held that medal. And to me, that just keeps, uh, it's 
amazing feeling to to share that and see the light in someone else's eyes and their heart kind of going, oh, wow, I'm, I'm going, that's how, that's what my company is all about. Gold Medal Inspirations, to me, was started to inspire that potential that's in everybody. It's not necessarily at the Olympics on the podium, it's, but it's that potential that we all have. And, uh, and that's why I love sharing the story of, oh, my God, this kid that, you know, was so afraid of the water, failed it four times, could get to the Olympics in an aquatic sport. You don't even know, you know, so inspiring those those things. So that's a long answer to your question of where's my medal now. <laughs> it's actually at the New Canadian Sports Hall of Fame, and it's a, such a neat place to go in there if you're ever in Calgary to see that because it's, it's alive when you walk in this place. Where, where I mean, did they oh. ask you to donate it permanently or just it, to loan it? It's on loan, so for indefinite. I mean, it's a great place for it to be. But like I say, I can go and check it out. But when you when you walk into this Hall of Fame, it is it's it's alive. There's screens everywhere where you actually physically feel like you're in that sport or participating. Like it's got these big, huge droplets on the ceiling with screens that actually show us swimming. Or you can box with Lennox Lewis, or you can you know a shadow box with him. But it's like you know it's just a magical place and an honor to have it there amongst all these incredible athletes that have achieved in all different areas from, you know, Terry Fox. I don't know if you guys know of Terry Fox in, in the States, but he ran across um, ran across Canada and uh, to, to raise money for cancer with, you know, one leg. And right. he was such an inspiration. And his shoe that he's now passed on, but his shoe is there. And, you know, these stories of people going beyond where you ever thought possible. Every athlete that has achieved has a story of overcoming some sort of challenge. No one just woke up and went, oh, yep, I think I'm going to be an Olympian, or I think I'm going to be best in the world and it's going to be easy. No, every one of them has stories of things they've overcome to get there. Right, and when we were talking about doing this, we talked about how life throws stuff at you, the ups and the downs, and how you never know, and you know, they really do. It really is the thing of, you know, it is darkest before the dawn. <laughs> and there are times when, you know, you had things happen in your life that could have very much derailed stuff for you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I, 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 when you say that, like I still, there's times I get emotional about things that have happened, but I look at going, oh, my gosh, where we are now and the strength that has come from that. And I, I think I did share with you, you know, um, probably one of the biggest um, challenges uh, that we went through and how it just turned into one of the most amazing gifts. And it was, if you want me to share that, it was... Um, Please go ahead. Yeah, it was about, uh, well, over 10 years ago now. And um, we were actually hospicing my husband's father. And uh, we were expecting our fourth child and going through kind of a rocky road in our marriage at that time and uh, went out to, he was in eastern Canada, so we moved the family out there to hospice him, which was such a gift in itself. It was challenging, but it was such a gift for the kids to get to know the grandfather and spend that incredible quality time with them. Uh, while we were there, um, some things went real sideways at home. My husband had was partners in a, in a company that they kind of pulled everything out from underneath and we we lost everything, literally lost everything. So we went through every kind of major challenge that you could have all at once, like having a challenge in our marriage, <laughs> expecting a fourth child, literally losing our home, and coming back to, to literally... And, having, and then having a father who's dying. 
yeah, his father was had just passed away then, and then come yeah. So and that whole emotional uh, part of it, and came back and just you know I I was going into labor two months early for our little now Gracie, um, and uh, just went oh you know if you could have everything. All at once, we did have everything all at once. Sort of the and, perfect storm. Oh my gosh! And uh, I mean, it was it was it was tough. It was very humbling, too, in so many ways. And I remember um, we had rented a home and uh, to go for. I, like I had a lot of pride from when I moved out by my first house and and always wanted to know I could stand up on my own two feet because I learned that from my mom. Like my mom was a single mom on her own with four of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, an amazing woman. What she did to make ends meet, she had no child support. Uh, she became one of the top realtors in the city in three months because she had to, but she was so good at what she did. And she then met my dad, who they had five, and then together had one. And I, I said, you know, I think that was harder than birthing ten kids, raising a pack of ten teenagers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> my my mom was so incredibly resourceful, so I get so much strength. I get I get to Lincoln, who is my mentor. I've had a number of mentors, but my main mentor has been my mom. And and so when we were going through uh, this really challenging time, and kind of you know how do you dig yourself out? And uh, we finally got to a point where. Um, uh, we were coming into the second year because my daughter, my little one, was about two years old and had enough money to get a second vehicle now. I was driving the kids to school, and uh, a fight breaks out in the backseat of the car. I don't know if anybody can relate to this at all. He touched me first. No, he touched me, and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's change the atmosphere in here. And like I said, my mom was always amazing. She, My mom, back when we were growing up, worked for the airlines. That was the only way we would have ever traveled with 10 kids. And here's the adventure is that you're going to stand by with 10 kids at Christmas, right? And so it's like everybody, you pack a bag to carry on. You're not checking anything. And we right. literally pick a destination and split up in teams and have a race to get there. So even, <laughs> even, before, even before they had the great race, you guys were yes, already doing Yes, we were the first amazing race, and, the, and, and we were Brady Bunch on steroids. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, that's what it was. And then and then we'd get there, and my mom would have reservation for one night, and then she'd be out there. And she had an envelope with this is the amount of money we have, and she would find the most amazing places for us to stay, like renting a house. with If the place is vacant, here you go, and you've got a little bit more negotiating power. I learned from my mom there is always a way and to be flexible and to be able to go with the flow. But no – You've got that goal and drive. You're going to figure it out. We're going to get there. We're going to figure it out. So here we are, and I'm um, I'm uh, driving to school, and this fight breaks out in the back seat of the car, and I'm like, okay, you guys, it's been like, let's plan a family vacation. Okay, if your kids were 10, 8, 6, and 2, where do you think they'd want to go? Probably Disneyland. You're right. So I'm thinking they want to go to Disneyland. Well, my kids... Have, I have family. My birth father actually lives down in uh, Mexico six months of the year, and we had gone there uh, a couple years prior. And he lives in this little fishing village where there's literally shanties right right behind. And the kids made friends with the children there that are like bare feet and in diapers if they even have them and next to nothing. And, you and know, where, had where in Mexico was this? A, a little fishing village called Malaki. Okay. And, um, and so, you know, they had made friends with these kids, and it's so cool because, you know, it doesn't matter what language you speak. Like, they communicate, right? And so the kids are in the backseat of the car. They're like, Mom, we want to go, go back to Mexico. And, and then they started talking. And it goes, 
Mom, what if we bring some more toys for the kids? And then it's like, Mom, what if we got some of our friends to do that? And then, and then it's like, Mom, could you imagine if everyone shared what they had? There wouldn't be anybody without. And I'm like, wow. Like, and this is as you guys are going through, like, getting yeah. totally financially wiped out, lose your house. Yeah. All of these things are happening, and your children's attitude is, well, there's always enough. Yeah. Like, and, uh, that was, uh, honestly... Lou, that was one of the biggest gifts is that my kids did not feel like they were without at all. And then we started to see amazing miracles happen. When something's bigger than you, amazing things happen. So literally dropped my kids off, and Alyssa, my oldest one, who was 10 at that time, mm-hmm. turns to me and she goes, Mom, we're going to need a plane. I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, you tell them dream big, right? Right. So, so we get home, and she uh, found our stuff was still in, we had a lot of stuff in boxes that we hadn't unpacked into the house we were renting. And she found this CD of this little boy named Billy Gilman who was on Oprah years ago, and he sang a song, One Voice, Some Kids Have and Some Kids Don't, and Some of Us Are Wondering Why. Mm -hmm. Mom won't watch the news at night. There's too much making her cry. A thousand words, a million uh, prayers, one voice was heard. And she goes, Mom, we can call it a gift of love. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, okay, now they're going. Like, their imagination's going. And so I'm going, okay. So I phoned one of my girlfriends who we've had our kids all at the same time, so we have each, both of us have four kids, and uh, and her husband was one of our very good friends who, before they even had kids, um, was one of the uh, uh, partners that started WestJet here in Canada. Mm-hmm. And so I phoned her and I said, Roxy, what do you think of this idea? And she said, oh, you know, Don's home tomorrow from New York. Give him a call. So I phoned him. I said, the kids have this idea. And he goes, come down to the office. So I took the kids out of school, real-life hooky, and they... <laughs> presented their idea to about four uh, executives at WestJet, and they turned and they said, you have a plane. And oh, wow. Just, my mouth just dropped. I went, oh, my God, the power of – they had. They just wanted to to share, you know. And, and, and then it was so amazing. This is what amazed me. In six-week period of time, the phone started ringing. It's, what's this about my daughter going to Mexico with your daughter? And I go, well, actually, yes, and then share the story. In six weeks, we ended up having 70 children from 22 schools um, who were the children ambassadors that came with us. And they, each of these kids total, we collected 3,000 packages of gently worn shoes and school supplies and a note that each of these kids had written. Oh. And, yeah, and a loved toy. It was, about, it was about what the kids already had. It was a loved toy that they wanted to share oh. with another child. Oh, and, and you know what? We're going to have to go to break here. Oh. You know what that reminds me of? The toy that was so loved that its little eyeball fell off. Oh, The little button, yeah. you know? Mm. It was so loved. Please stay with us, and then we'll come back and tug at your heartstrings a little more. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. 
Have you ever been confused about the facts surrounding non-surgical rejuvenation and cosmetic plastic surgery? We're pleased to introduce to the Rockstar Radio Network audience, Spirit Lift, Plastic Surgery for the Soul. Each Thursday at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, host Kim McKenna and plastic surgeon Dr. Sadi Irfani will help dispel the myths surrounding this exciting field and lift the veil of mystery on a very important topic. With advances in nutrition and self-care, many of us want to look as young and vibrant outside as we feel inside. Plus, listeners will be able to call in live and share their questions and get advice on the air. A show where you will learn how to look and feel your best and be your best. Join us to have your spirit lifted on Spirit Lift, plastic surgery for the soul. Each Thursday at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern on the Rockstar Radio Network. Get ready to learn and play with Mrs. A, your host, Barbara Allison, Mondays at 11 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Did you know that kids are only 20% of the population, but they are 100% of the future? How are you preparing your child for that future? The years between the ages of 0 and 6 are crucial for learning and development. Barbara Allison is a teacher, parent, and author on supporting children's early learning. Learning starts even before a child is born, and parents are children's first teacher. Join Mrs. A for ideas, tips, and suggestions for fun learning and play activities as she helps you support your child. Starting early is starting smart. For more on Mrs. A, her books, the show, and her blog, check out her website, 123kindergarten.com. Then, come learn and play with Mrs. A with your host, Barbara Allison, Mondays at 11 a.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. Just before the break, Michelle Cameron and I were talking about the a gift of love that her children were the inspiration behind founding. And for anyone who is interested, you to a gift of love dot net, and it says kids helping kids. And I love the thing about a loved toy. They were literally energetically giving their love. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That because oh. it, it, it was about what the kids could do. It was at, at knowing at ten, eight, and six, and how old. You know, we had we ended up out of the seventy children ambassadors. We had kids from every grade. Uh, I mean, the youngest was my little Jacqueline, who was six, but um, from every grade who were ambassadors for their for their classrooms. But it was about doing what they had, what they could share, and it was about the love toy and and it's and and you know the other parts of it, but. When we got to, to Mexico and uh, like we, we had the plane for 36 hours. So it was literally hand delivering it, spend, spending this time with kids. We, I had another, another great friend of mine who, um, her husband's company did a lot of work in Mexico. So, um, they wanted to do something, give back in the communities where they worked. So our first trip, we actually went to Ciudad de Carmen with precision drilling and uh, all the women of the Rotary and the Navy organized all the orphanages and special needs schools that we went to. So we knew how many kids, what age, and everything. And so when they actually hand-delivered these packages, 
Um, I remember being at the first orphanage, and the woman that ran this orphanage, she had about 67 kids there that she took care of, and the older ones helped take care of the younger ones. And she just held my hands, and she just her eyes were just beaming and just kind of tearing. She goes, this is so much bigger than um, just the gift, that these kids knew, cared enough to come here and connect with our children. That was, that was what it was about. If we just share, can you imagine if we just share... Um, caring. Well, you know, I mean, really, living is about giving. Mm-hmm. And how reward is so... And it's, so I mean, that's incredibly incredibly rewarding. Whether that's, you know, giving in this way or giving of your heart or giving mm-hmm. of your passion. And, I mean, what you and Al have created with these children, with the two of you knowing your passion, is phenomenal, my dear. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I just feel very... Very, uh, very blessed and very, like, so much gratitude. And, and you know, it's, um, it's funny because you say when you're in your darkest hour and, you know, figuring out how you're going to make rent and the next thing we're taking this plain load of children and it's, you get a perspective of things that are so different and seeing it through my kids' eyes and, and then the learning process that they went through and, the most powerful, I think, was them knowing that it doesn't matter how old you are, young or old, that we all have something that we can do, right? Mm-hmm. And and it was and you were saying, you know, how, where did that go from there? The the, the second year, they actually we were approached by a, a city in uh, Mexico, Hermosillo, and uh-huh. uh, they said, you know, we want you to come down here because we want our community to see if these kids can do that, what can we do, right? And so the kids also wanted to do more, so they learned about sustainability and they learned about uh, Biosans water filtration systems where they learned how they built these systems and we paired up with the Rotary Club down in Mexico so that there was um, people on ground there that knew how the systems also worked to be able to maintain them. So we paired up like two two of the parents here with two of the parents in Mexico and somebody from the Rotary Club at uh, 10 orphanages. So they did enough. They did Biosans water filtration systems at 10 orphanages, enough for clean water for 2,500 kids. So that, you know, that's kind of, you know, it's like, okay, sharing that love. And now what's something that they actually need, understanding what each other needs as well, right? So, it's um, yeah, it's been amazing. And then it went from there to we can't all always get on a plane and go somewhere, right? But mm-hmm. what can we all do in our own backyard? So we started engaging the kids and their friends. And, I mean, it, it wasn't us. It was initiated a lot by the kids and saying, you know, what else can we do in our own backyards where, you know, we can engage? And there's and a lot of, like I say, a lot of great programs that families can get involved in and connect and be able to do something in the community that they just, you know, um, it, yeah. it makes you feel so grateful and so good, you know. Right, because I know you do. Um, you've done stuff. Was it United Way that you were co-chairing? Mm-hmm. And that actually, um, United Way ended up, uh, I ended up co-chairing it because of uh, the stuff we had done with the children, with my kids. And I had asked um, our president of the United Way here, we were at an angels luncheon together, and I said, how do we engage families more in the community? And then she phoned me up a few months later, would you co-chair the campaign for Calgary? <laughs> so. That's how that came to be. And, of course, the year I co-chaired the campaign is the year the market went right out. And so that was also a great challenge to see how a city rallies together when your need goes up even more when, you know, 2008, there was a crash. All of a sudden, you there's more families in need. So you kind of go, okay, it's even more important that we get to where we need to do a game. It's bigger than us. So what can we do to 
get together to make that happen, right? Absolutely. Now, I'm going to share with you something, and I don't even know if you know this. When you and Carolyn won your gold medal, mm-hmm. um, that um, Halloween, I happened to be at a party. And do you remember the ginger group? Yes. The hair salon? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Well, one of the gentlemen, David, and I don't know where David is at this point, but he had been Don Voice's sort of protege. Uh-huh. Well, David and his partner did their costume that year was waves that they were inside the waves, and they were you and Carolyn doing oh synchronized God. routines. <laughs> that is so great. I'm not kidding. Oh, that's so great. Did they have a chocolate medal, though? I have no idea. But they had. They were doing the arms, and they were synchronized. Oh, it was my gosh. freaking hilarious. Oh, that is so good. So, you know, like, it, it's like, you know how they walk around and they got the barrel on them? You oh, know, yeah, yeah, They yeah. were walking around, and they had the waves. Oh, my gosh, that is just too, too funny. I need a picture. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't even know. I don't know. I'm sure David has one. But I remember, and someone else won. I thought, oh, my God, this is the most, you know, you've got to be kidding me. These guys are original. You know, oh, yeah, no kidding. Who cares if you want to be Dolly Parton? I mean, come on, everyone does Dolly Parton in drag. <laughs> now, did they shave their legs? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> and you know what? I, you know, the, the gelatin and the hair thing. Oh, yeah, isn't that good? Yeah, I don't, that one, I don't know if they did that either. But, oh. you know, how much does it warm your heart, my dear, to see what you and Al had as passion and what you learned from your mother that each of your children now has it. Do they now, each of them, have their places that they want to put their efforts to do things for people? Oh, they, our family's always been quite in, involved doing doing things. Like, they're very conscious, which is, you know, I think it's such a great great gift. So they, yeah, they do, you know, projects here and there. and um, But, yeah, it's it's just part of just, you know what, I was talking to a dear friend of mine this morning. We were just saying, you know, when people say, what can I do to make a difference? You can, I think one of the biggest things is when you walk in a room and you leave a room, how did you leave it? And it's just even by a smile, like being kind and courteous and just they're aware of, of people. And, you know, to say, you know, hold a door or thank you or, you know, you can go ahead of me or whatever, just really aware, you know, of how fortunate we all are and and um, that it's bigger than money it's bigger than all of that it's like it's our time and the energy and who we are you know as people and and what we give as people in the community how we how our energy is in the community Mm -hmm. you know and i mean in kindness kindness doesn't take anything no it doesn't and you feel so good you just feel so good like i mean we know that the studies are if you if i do something kind with you I get as much of a brain rush as you do, yeah. and the people who are observing it also get it. Mm-hmm. It has a, a really, really wonderful ripple effect. You know, it really does. And and when I, you know, it's that simple thing of, you know, you go to the grocery store and people are bustling back and forth, and when you smile at someone, they're it's often like, wow. Yeah, I mean, I literally, I do it. To see, because first off, I like doing it, uh-huh. um, and I always <laughs> love. To, and I'm not doing it because I'm being a brat, 
Well, maybe sometimes I'm a brat. (laughs) I'm doing it to see, okay, what will people do? And I make a point of looking right at people. Mm -hmm. And I had a gentleman today who, you know, he was stocking the shelves and I was trying to get some cereal um, because Paul can only eat a certain type of um, cereal. It has to be gluten-free, blah, blah, blah. And there was nothing there. And I said, excuse me, sir. Now, this guy has tats all over the place. I don't think he'd been called sir in his life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he turned around and he said, yes. And I said, you know, and when you ask politely, it doesn't, you know, when we talk about this and when you give things to someone and when you give things with a heart mm-hmm. and and in a nice and kind way, it, it, that's all people ask is that you're nice to them. Yeah. Like and to think about how would you want them to treat you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's, I, I am just so touched by the fact that these kids gave a loved toy. Mm-hmm. 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 And did, they, did the other little kids know how much they were loved? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you get to see that little video that's on there, it was like, it was magical. Like, it was, it was amazing. Amazing. And like I said, the, the one woman that ran the orphanage, she said it just means so much that they cared enough to be here, you know, and, and to, to make that connection, you know, and, 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 and I, I want to rewind just a little bit to what we were saying about connection and, and, um, you know, being active and, and, and I, because we get too connected to our technology, we don't have time to even connect to make that. Like if someone's turning to smile at you, at you and make that connection, even with our kids. And I'm guilty of this too. Believe me, when I'm on my phone or on my, um, you know, iPhone and I'm texting or whatever, and the kids are like, Mom, 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 I'm sure everyone on here who has kids or even a significant other or anybody, when they're trying to get your attention, you're going through your emails or whatever. Like, there's a time for that, and I know I'm working on getting better at it, too. But, <laughs> but there's time when it's like, you know, I remember when my kids were little, just and they grab your face arm. and go, turn you, looking at them, I'm talking to you. Exactly. You know, so, now, but here's but the thing. We're coming down to the last 10 seconds of the show. Oh. If anyone wants to I know, didn't it go quickly? Oh if my God. anyone wants to connect with you, how are they going to find you? They can go to goldmedalinspirations.com. And, yeah, we didn't even get a chance to talk about the work I'm doing with all the women now. Exactly. Well, you have to come back, darling. Okay. <laughs> You'll have to come back. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. My guest is gold medalist Michelle Cameron, gold medal inspiration. Thank you for being with us. Lou Paget. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget 